Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On the Monday overreaction edition of the podcast, the collapse of Ohio State, the rise of Michigan, is Butch Jones a clown? And just how many Bud Lights do you need to steal for it to no longer be a crime? Riddle me that. (laughs) This is the Yahoo Sports College podcast. I am Dan Wetzel, joined by Pat Ford, AP Thamel. And whereas it is Monday, oh, do we have plenty to overreact to. I think we all know where we're going to start. On the banks of the Wabash River, a short walk from Harry's Chocolate Shop, deep on an Indiana Saturday night, Purdue 49, Ohio State 20. Look, great win for Purdue. All credit to them. This team started terribly, including a loss to Eastern Michigan. Who knew Michigan had an Eastern part? But... It did not implode. They've rallied. They've come together. They got better. Awesome to see. Story of Tyler Trent, the Purdue student in hospice for cancer, made it to the game. Tom Rinaldi told it, of course, in only Tom Rinaldi fashion. Uh, It's all what makes the sport awesome. So that is nice. But this is not a nice podcast. We are about misery. We are about mayhem. So what's up, Scarlet and Gray? How's that for a transition? I go from hospice to ripping on a bunch of college students. <laughs> As only you can. Rinaldi has I tried his to build specialties. Up. You have yours. I was trying to make it seem like I am really a sensitive guy, right? I built up the the whole Tyler Trent. Now, Tyler Trent's awesome. Um, anyway. I texted Pat loss. the other night. Uh, how many uh, How many engineers do you think lost their virginity late, late Saturday night on that campus? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> They had to look wow. at a schematic first of how to do it. <laughs> wow. That is that is next level analytics, <laughs> analytic data right there. I, I, that uh, never crossed my mind. <laughs> Pat actually right. responded legit LOL to my joke on text. So. I got to tell you, the podcast is but a minute or two old and we are already in trouble. Yeah. Buckle up, listeners. <laughs> It could be the last one at this rate. (laughs) All right. Uh, For Ohio State, I think this year's road loss embarrassment is is worse than last year's road loss embarrassment where they blew a game at Iowa 55-24. Iowa is usually better than Purdue, and that game was kind of weird. Had some, like, 
freaky scores and things. This was just domination by Purdue. This was just terrible. Um, Pete wrote a really good observation column late Saturday, and it touched on the kind of the maybe the most troublesome part for Ohio State is which of all the schools cannot run the ball. So Haskins has to chuck it a school record 73 times. An Ohio State quarterback throwing 73 times. That is that is too much for a seven-on-seven team from Lubbock. <laughs> How can Ohio State not have the offensive line to just push Purdue around? They not just have to be more talented in the trenches, but you are deeper in the trenches. So by the fourth quarter, you're just wearing them out. Uh, look, Pat Forty, you long ago coined the phrase HLA, horrible loss alert. How horrible was this loss? Horrible. It was really bad. Uh, really, really bad. Uh, I, I was astonished watching it. As you said, this was not fluky. This wasn't four turnovers like they had in Iowa City. This was Purdue lined up and whipped them. They were more creative. They were tougher. They were more bold. Uh, they executed far better. And it's just, it's astounding. Uh, our friend Todd Jones from Columbus had a great stat uh, the uh, Saturday night. We pointed out that the 73 passes by Dwayne Haskins, there was one year with Woody Hayes that the, in 1973, Ohio State threw the ball 87 times all season. <laughs> so Woody <laughs> is rolling over in that grave right now. There is no doubt about that. Has anyone that, checked I mean, on Trestle? Is he okay? Like, <laughs> Yeah, this is that's a bad stat for <laughs> Trestle, too. Three yards in a cloud of dust, and now they're yeah. throwing 73 times. Yeah, 73 bubble screens in a cloud of getting beaten. I wrote um, <laughs> in uh, in the 40-yard dash for Monday here that, that uh, this is – when Ohio State loses, the wheels come off, man. They don't lose, you know, going down swinging. They lose rolling over and dying. This is – if you look at their last four losses. Now, they don't lose often. Give them credit for that. But college football playoff against Clemson, 31 to nothing. Last year, Oklahoma comes into the horseshoe, beats them 31 to 16. Iowa trucks them by 31. And now Purdue beats them by 29. Where's the composure? Where's the resiliency? And where's the toughness in that program? Well, uh, I thought Pat nailed it in the uh, in the dash. The uh, indelible image of that night is Urban Meyer and the sort of hands-on-temple surrender cobra, which uh, it, it seemed like he spent a majority of the uh, of the game in. And Pat's right; they had they had no answers at all. Their answer was to just keep doing exactly what they were doing, which was not covering or tackling Rondale Moore and passing the ball and passing the ball and passing the ball. They were uncreative. I just don't think this Ohio State team is very good. And if you watch the Minnesota game and if you watch the Indiana game and you watch the TCU game and you watch the Penn State game, well, guess what? None of those teams are any good, right? I mean, Penn State's flat mediocre, uh, as Michigan State showed and Indiana showed this weekend. Minnesota got dump trucked in Lincoln. Um, I mean, I don't have to convince you that TCU is not any good. They've lost pretty much every game since they played Ohio State tough that day. So if you really look at the empirical evidence of performance, this loss isn't particularly surprising in terms of it was coming because despite the fact that there were 7-0, there were severe and glaring flaws. Look, they have one safety and really one of the most vacant linebacking crews that I can remember Ohio State ever having. I mean, it, it is a complete position of non-impact. 
Obviously, their defensive line is still solid. Losing Nick Bosa takes them away from being elite to just very good. But still, you know, Draymond Jones and Chase Young will both end up being first-round picks. Uh, I just think there's been a talent drain to the draft and a leadership drain, too, that this particular defensive unit has been completely unable to overcome, and they kind of found an avalanche on Saturday night. Yeah, this was just a trucking, and it's like – Look, it's it's hard to go undefeated. There's a reason why it doesn't happen very often. Even mighty Alabama loses games sometimes. Even Clemson, even Ohio State. But just a beatdown like this. Um, and here I had two things on this. Now, we mentioned this after Urban Meyer, about Urban Meyer, after they beat Penn State. But again, like it is an alarming level of distress that he yeah. projects on the sideline. I, I, I don't know how they won when he looks so unconfident. But it makes sense when they just fall apart. Yeah. When he goes to that, like you said, the temple, the cobra, the, the surrender cobra to the temple. He looks like he's having a migraine. He's the hands on the knees. I keep worrying we're just gonna watch him just uh, I don't know. I don't even want to say it. I mean, yeah. it is nuts how stressed he is. Uh, and I don't think that helps, but look, they keep winning, so I usually, but um, this was just dreadful. This team quit. I don't think you can win, I don't think you can give up 49 to Purdue, a team that lost to Eastern Michigan this year and not have quit at some point in this game on, on the team. Now, here's my other thing, because I'm going to take this next level overreaction here. Watch this, okay? <laughs> okay. This is good stuff. you going to fire is, Urban, I'm like, Dan? <laughs> practically skip Bayless level. No, I'm not going to the fire <laughs> Urban that level. skip Bayless, okay. <laughs> okay? All right? But Nick Bosa, okay? Nick Bosa leaves the team. I'm going to prepare to for the NFL draft. We discussed this. Now, I don't have a problem with that. It's business and all that. We went through that. I actually was thinking it says kind of more about Ohio State or as much as it does about Nick Bosa. Now, Bosa could have stayed and saw see if I can get back and we can win a national championship. He obviously did not value that to the level that he valued being ready for the pros. Fine, personal decision. But he, like, left Columbus. Like, why why not stay, not even say anything, and just rehab there? I actually know the answer to that. What is the answer? Well, I did a story on him this summer and uh, spent some time with him in the spring. And Joey has, like, a personal workout guy who was a Charger strength coach who got fired. And he's basically Joey's personal strength coach. And, like, the family kind of reveres him as, like, an all— He's like the Alex Guerrero of the Bosa family. So I think they're just going to work out with the guy who's going to get him ready for the combine. Like Joey's quote to me was, if I had this guy before the combine, I would have done much better. He's like, Nick's going to crush me in the combine. The guys, I'm not going to bore you with like the hamstring stretching details. It's it's in the story I wrote. If, if, if any of our listeners really want to read it, they can Google my name and uh, Nick Bosa and it should, it should come up this spring. But I just think they have a guy and – they see a hundred million on the table, like Joey's probably going to get this offseason if he comes back healthy, and they're going to go chase. They're going to go chase the hundred million, and they're going to let the guy who's gotten Joey to the cusp of that do it. Well, I, I understand all that, all well and good, but he can take up with that dude in December, can't he? I mean, he can, he's going to bring think, him to Columbus. Yeah, yeah, right. See that, I, Dan? I wrote about this in the dash as well because the the two things that stick out to me with Ohio State: a Urban. As they, he just 
projects no confidence in big games. He projects, you know, he's just a bundle of stress and misery. And then B, and I've used Nick Bosa as the example of this, and a lot of programs, a lot of programs sell the NFL. But I'm wondering if the psyche in Ohio State right now is, eh, yeah, I'm in it for the NFL. I don't really care about this Ohio State business. And so it's easy to throw in a towel when you start losing at Purdue. And Nick Bosa is the example. It's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm out of here. And again, yes, you could, you, could, you could rehab in Columbus. You can stay with the team. You can be around the team, be part of the program, and do your rehab. Uh, the strength and conditioning guy, I don't know. I mean, how wet, what's the soonest he can start working with Nick Bosa if Bosa's injured right now? Well, I would assume he can do other stuff with him, you know. Like he has that uh, like a weird core injury, but I could I assume there's there's other things they can work on. I I don't I haven't asked John Bosa this, but I'm assuming he's just going to go out in to California and live with Joey and work out with the guy and get ready for the combine. So um, I had an NFL scout text me Saturday night and I thought it was a good observation. He basically said it, it's like they don't have any dogs, which is a little bit a tie to what Pat just said. Like they don't have it with heart. Like they obviously have all these five stars. I wrote in my column, like they showed up to that game thinking the recruiting ranking was going to win. You know, like they just, they, there was, there was so little energy and so little strain and effort from those guys. They just expected Purdue to cower and, and, and fall over. And, you know, dogs are guys who were in the program four or five years. Dogs are guys who are invested, you know, and uh, not just kind of like the five-star three-and-done thing. So I, I do think there's there's a couple a confluence of a couple factors that, that led to this unbelievably bad performance. Yeah, so I think we're all talking about the same thing. Like, if you've built the team, right, Bo Schembeck, or the team, the team, the team, yeah, your brother's saying you ought to work out with this guy and your parents are saying you got it, but the $100 million is years away. Okay, you sit there and say, I think I'm going to hang out and be a college kid for another four weeks, five weeks. You know, I mean, by, by Thanksgiving, you you could go, even if you went sooner. Not, I'm out of here. You know, like, you know, there's something going on that just makes it seem like I think we're all agreeing. There's just not that I'm all in for I'm all in for Ohio State. And it shows when when you're just getting trucked by when the going got tough against Purdue, um, they weren't up for it. Like they they could rise back up for a big game against Penn State, and look, they may win out. They could still win the whole national title. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a sec. But it's definitely something bizarre uh, about that team right now. Um, now to flip it, how much money is Louisville going to throw at Purdue coach Jeff Brom? who hails for Louisville, played at Louisville. His brother played at Louisville. He might even be so popular, he would steal the title of Mr. Louisville from Pat Forty. <laughs> he will hand that title over to him at that Shell station. <laughs> Brian Bowen Sr. used to own the yeah. title of Mr. Louisville. <laughs> now yeah. it's Pat Forty. How what, Jeff? Uh, I mean, I know he's, what are they, three and three? Uh, four, four and three. three. Yeah, four and three. So, but. Louisville very easily could have a ho uh, coaching position. Pat Forty, Mr. Louisville current. Are you ready to give up your title? Is this going go <laughs> to go? Pat has better Jeff hair. Brom? I would I would hate to see my approval rating versus Jeff Brom's in this city. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be pretty. That would be that would be like Bad. the Michigan Nebraska football game in terms of a route. Um, but no, I mean, look, they if Louisville should get every booster together and say, give us everything you've got. 
and then go to Churchill Downs and knock off a couple of the tellers and take all the money there. <laughs> go to Papa John's, knock off the people there. Take off the mo- take the money from there. Go to Yum Brands. Get all the money you can find in the city and go spend it on Jeff Brum. I, look, it would cost a ton to get rid of Bobby Petrino. It would cost a ton to get Jeff Brom. They're already paying a ton to Chris Mack. They're paying a ton for legal fees and returned NCAA revenue from the basketball scandals. They're going to have more legal fees with the next investigation. Louisville is not in a good place financially, but so what? You only get, you might only get one chance to get your hometown hero back to save your football program because somebody else is going to go get Jeff Brom if they don't after this year. So... They need to, you know what, set, have the kids out there at the corner of the streets with the buckets, put your money in for Jeff Brom, <laughs> and go get him. So we've we've jokingly uh, referred to Pat on this podcast as the fourth Brom brother. How many Brom brothers are there? <laughs> there are three. Okay. It's like, yeah, Is exactly. Cooper Brom? I call Mike Rosenberg. <laughs> I, call, I call Mike Rosenberg Cooper Harbaugh. Um, so <laughs> we call Pat, we can, we can recycle that joke and call Pat Cooper Brom. <laughs> There's three boys and a girl. I'm okay. the fifth Brom. Yes, All right. I you're the fifth, the fifth, the fifth, the fifth Brom. Um, <laughs> I wonder, you know, well. being the fifth Brom, if you maybe could be a middleman, do you think they'd accept payment in bourbon and or like horses? <laughs> <laughs> because I just have always assumed Louisville's boosters all own horses and like, large alcohol distribution <laughs> manufacturing <laughs> things. And I guess like they own Taco Bell too or whatever, but I, I, I wouldn't want to get paid in like chalupas. So how do you I, even I, make that much money in Kentucky? Who are these people? Like, I don't dude, know. What, did, I don't what know. did people do to make all this money? I don't they know. They sit what, around smoking huge cigars in Louisville, <laughs> drinking bourbon. Nobody works <laughs> Nobody and they works. eat like great food. And then they sit there and yeah. buy, pay money to coach Patino and stuff. That's How it. many cheese graters would it take to get Jeff Brom to Louisville, Pat? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all Your industry is graders. bad pizza. <laughs> yeah. oh, we are the capital of bad pizza. That's true. We, but, you know, yeah, they, like everything. Breeding rights to the best horses. Yeah. Yes, you know, everybody put something in. I, I want everybody on board right now for the buyout <laughs> of Bobby Petrino and the, the, the wholesale purchase of Jeff Brom. What no is idea Bobby Petrino's approval rating in that city, Pat? Is there even like a like small Miller notion of support for him anywhere other than outside his immediate family, which is also his coaching staff? <laughs> Boom. Um <laughs> Not that I've heard. No. no. I mean, it's everybody's down on Bobby right now. Yeah. Everybody. You know, the problem. All right. Look, when he was, it's classic, you know, when he was winning, everybody could overlook everything else about him, the surly personality, the off field issues and everything. When he's losing, he's got nothing. And so everybody has, uh, has bailed on the Bobby Petrino train. It's, it's amazing how hap- how fast it happened too. you went, you get a guy that wins this first Heisman trophy in school history. Everybody's excited. That was two years ago. Since then, boom, face plant. Yes. yes. In Bobby Petrino's obituary, it's going to say Petrino comma who beat me too by three years in order to make millions <laughs> for getting fired. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, there's no way even the place as soulless as Louisville could have hired <laughs> Petrino post me too. Yes. Like they couldn't no. have. They couldn't no. have. Although, could he go back to Western Kentucky? Yeah, they should be in the market for a coach too. After the single wackiest loss in like, really, that may be the wackiest loss of my lifetime. Like that, that is not hyperbole. There were three 
field goals attempted with zeros on the clock at the end of the game, two by one team, one by the other. Anyway, yeah. when, when I finished like trying to digest that story late Saturday night, I was like, man, Western Kentucky's one and six. What happened? So maybe maybe he can go to Bowling Green and uh, yeah, take his cheese graters with him and and beat up on Conference USA and yeah, employ his whole family. Maybe during a slow week, we we should have a emergency pod where we pretend we go back in time, like it's a throwback <laughs> episode to the the Harley accident with Bobby Petrino. Because <laughs> I so wish we had this podcast. I know. When he wrecked with the volleyball girl. I mean, <laughs> that thing was built for us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So maybe, you know, like a slow week, we just, with college basketball, just they don't even play it anymore. We'll just throw that one in there. <laughs> That's it. When, yeah, when we they now go back over. to uh, the date we found out Bobby Trina wrecked his heart. <laughs> we'll have Lindsay get us some like, over college basketball. Yeah. We'll go. Remember, they like, do that with Stern, Howard Stern. They play like old ones, you yeah. know? So it's like, yeah, we, we can do it. Remember Wayne's World when they'd go back in time, they'd go, the best part was he not only had the mistress, but he hired her on his staff. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that was the part that even Arkansas was like, oh, man, he violated like five state laws. Like, you can't. <laughs> and there's still bitter Razorback fans are like, come on, we were good then. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. they might take him back. They had to calm the program. They brought in John L. Smith. That was, I mean, we got to do this. We literally have got to do this. I'm, I'm putting it on the calendar. We're going to do it. All right. For the first time in a long, long time, Michigan fan feels better about his program or her program than Ohio State fan. Harbaugh, baby. Michigan uh, is 2-0 and across its little gauntlet. Penn State, Michigan State, and uh, not Penn State, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State coming. Uh, unbeaten in the Big Ten, first place in the Big Ten East. Uh, they beat Michigan State 21-7 in a chippy game. Um, now, this is a solid victory for the Wolverines. Uh, I've been on the bandwagon of late because they have a really great defense. Michigan State couldn't do anything. Now, this, to me, though, game was fun because uh, we had a near pregame brawl mm. when Michigan State's traditional marching line where they link arms like brothers and march the field because we own the field or some some art of war thing who knows when mark d'antonio got it well they ran into a couple michigan guys who are out there uh so we nearly had a brawl then we had devin bush jr of the wolverine scuffing up the spartan logo at midfield that'll show you <laughs> nothing like nothing like that it was a pathetic attempt too like the one thing Michigan State can really do is grow grass. Like, I mean, <laughs> that grass was... That, that, I compared him to Earl Weaver. That was like the kind of stuff that managers would do in like the 80s to get umpires mad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is he aware of the surface of the field? Like, it's not... It doesn't work. Okay. We then had Harbaugh declare that State would be Bush League. No pun intended with the Devin Bush Jr. since he plays for him. Mark D'Antonio uh, took that about as well as you'd imagine and just scoffed. He went, hmm. <laughs> uh, there was a ton of penalties. They were squawking. And then at the end, we had Michigan's Chase Winovic ramp it up by declaring, of course, we knew they couldn't hang with us. Sometimes your little brother starts acting up and you got to put him in his place. Always good to play the hits with the little brother. Pat, mm -hmm. how great was this hate? Oh, man. It was, it was upper level hate. Upper, upper level. 
very impressive display of chippiness and uh, bravado and ego and testosterone and all that stuff all, all rolled into one. And it's like, man, I mean, <laughs> Michigan like just couldn't wait to get back to being insufferable. I, I, like, <laughs> they, you know, they, they've, they've lost what eight, they had lost eight out of 10 to Michigan state. Yeah. And wow. They get that win. Wow. Oh, now look out. Here we are. Puff up the chest, baby. And now Michigan's back to uh, back to being what they what they often are. They are they can be a handful uh, to beat and a handful to deal with off the field in terms of just the whole thing. Um, but great win for them. I mean, as as their recruiting coordinator tweeted out uh, <laughs> Saturday night, uh, the Spartans ended up with six fewer yards than they walked across the field. If it's a hundred yard walk, oh. they ended up with 94 yards of total offense. Quite a shot there. So yeah, Michigan and its attitude are back. The The best part of this game is that we will not talk about a single snap that happened in the game. Cause it was a terrible game. It was <laughs> your quintessential big 10. There was a lightning delay. So you had to wait to watch this drudgery. Um, I mean, Michigan State shouldn't have scored. Michigan handed him the ball that, to make it close. It was like spitting cold rain the whole afternoon. It was like the sky was made of concrete. Everybody just looked completely miserable. Um, yeah. <laughs> Michigan State is just hard to watch on offense. Uh, Pat called for their OC, Dave Warner, to get fired a few weeks ago. And, like, he certainly, Pat, didn't do anything to dissuade anyone with that Neanderthal offense that they, uh, that they showed on Saturday. So, look, I mean – College football is more interesting when Michigan's there. I looked it up. I, they haven't won the Big Ten since 04. So that was three coaches wow. ago, the great Lloyd Carr, um, who I think we've, we've discussed is a little bit underrated. I think they won it back-to-back solo and then shared it. Solo in 03, shared in 04. Um, Hoke won like a BCS caliber game in 11, I want to say. But just like Michigan has been MIA from, from relevancy. And the fun part of this game, though, there was just enough drama – to make you think Michigan could mess it up again like they have in a lot of these big games. But it ends up that, I mean, I feel like the difference, I, I hate to talk about football when there's so many other like WWE storylines from this game, but um, I thought the difference here was Patterson's ability to run the ball on third and short. Uh, he had a couple of the, the, the sweetest little ball handling pulls to, to convert first downs. And the stat on Michigan that explains everything is they've gone from 115, and this gets updated on Sunday, so probably a little different. But heading into the game, they were 115 in third down conversion percentage last year. They're 13 heading into that game this year. That's a pretty big difference, almost 20%. More resilient than the Spartan Stadium grass. <laughs> I mean, to have it that good this late in the year is pretty pretty good. <laughs> Michigan's six sixteenth now nationally in uh, third 16. down conversion. Yeah. Oh, six, yeah, that's good. Better than Michigan State, which was zero for twelve. Woo! All right, Michigan's got a little still has work to do. Penn State, but then we could be staring at the Ohio State Michigan game at Thanksgiving weekend uh, for the Big Ten East. If Michigan wins out, their only losses to Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Would they get into the uh, if they win the Big Ten? Would they get in? Conversely, can Ohio State still win out and make the playoff? Now, obviously, many variables on who will or will not lose, but I got time for that. This is today's podcast. Pete, can they get it? Can has Michigan got a shot? And do the Buckeyes have a shot? Yeah, I think Michigan would sail in. I don't see any two-loss SEC team looming 
um, unless LSU beats Alabama, but I think we've already conceded Alabama's going to win the national title anyway. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I do think I think Michigan sails in comfortably if they win out from here, and I don't think Ohio State is capable of winning out. I just don't think they're good enough. I don't think they're going to beat Michigan. They could, in theory, they would probably need some help, and again, there's a million different variables that you can go from there, but I think Michigan is has a clear shot to the playoff from here. Agree? Um, yeah, I think that uh, obviously if LSU beats Alabama, that junks things up. Or if a an 11-1 SEC East champion beats Alabama in the SEC title game, that junks it up. But uh, it's setting up very nicely for Michigan. They have you know, the, probably the best loss out there. Seven points on the road to a Notre Dame team that's undefeated and right now would be in the playoff. Uh, and then... You know, the wins, they're starting to stack up some quality wins, and obviously they would get another one with Ohio State on the road if they have that. And then, you know, whoever they would play in the Big Ten championship game. The the competition amongst one-loss teams would be a a 12-1 Big 12 champion. If it's Texas or Oklahoma, especially like if Texas beats Oklahoma twice and sits there at 12-1. But you compare head-to-head, Texas lost to Maryland, Michigan trounced Maryland. So... Uh, I would say, provided Alabama doesn't lose, Michigan is absolutely the uh, the the favorite amongst one loss teams to get that get in the playoff. Totally agree. All right, Alabama crushed Tennessee on Saturday, fifty eight twenty one. Ho hum. Who cares? However, at the end of the game, it got interesting. Butch Jones was Tennessee's coach for most of five seasons. He went fourteen and twenty four in the SEC and built something brick by brick, and then was fired. (laughs) He now works as a, quote, offensive analyst for Alabama, one of approximately 714 people (laughs) on the Alabama coaching staff. At the end of the game, the Crimson Tide players gave Jones a Gatorade bath, or at least a water one, but whatever, to celebrate the victory. Uh, In fairness, I'm sure Butch didn't ask for that to happen, although really, who knows for sure, he hugged at least one player, later was photographed on social media, posing for a uh, victory cigar picture. He's smoking a cigar in the locker room. This has to be a violation of some ordinance in Knoxville, and I expect him to be arrested <laughs> the next time he, he comes to town. Uh, Nick Saban praised the celebration. Quote, it was good to see Butch Jones get dumped on. <laughs> Saban said in a quote that uh, probably <laughs> would have had different, <laughs> different meanings a year ago. Uh the great Tennessee great Albert Hainsworth was less impressed. I mean, Alabama won against the team you put together, Hainsworth wrote on Twitter, but you're smoking a cigar like you accomplished something. Uh, and let me just say something. Maybe for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm going to have to say, I'm with Albert Hainsworth on this. Good point, Albert. Consummate overachiever. Consummate. Yeah, a lot of art. Good All citizen. Right. So... We're going to ask the question, is Butch a clown or not? Okay, because we're real high-end questioning here. It's the best I could come up with because I'm an idiot. But, like, didn't he recruit the players to this team? And then he recruited the players that his new team, which he is an offensive analyst for, then defeats. Okay? So, like, don't you feel bad about the kids? You went to their house. You met their parents. Like you worked with these juniors and seniors for years and then you just stomp on them. Your new team's like, you just, 
you just got lucky and got hired by Alabama. Like, is there no, no personal relationship? Like, that's my thing. Like, I would think you'd feel bad for the guys across the way that believed in you four years ago. And you kind of feel bad and be like, man, he was a good kid. I really wish he wasn't getting curb stomped right now <laughs> by this machine that I was, you know. Uh, so uh, is he a clown for doing that? Or when you get fired, you just say, screw you. I, I hate everything in Tennessee. He good or bad on Butch? So I think what Butch has done has been really smart because Butch, one of the things that undid Butch at Tennessee was he said a lot of really dumb things. Brick by brick, he had the trash can, five-star hearts. Like, Butch couldn't get out of his own way. So instead, he went to Nick Saban, who basically locked him in the room with the other 713 analysts where he can stay out of the spotlight and people can forget about all those things. Uh, obviously, Steve Sarkeesian did this. Lane Kiffin was an analyst, but he was a coordinator. He went into Saban's coach rehab. And within that rehab, I mean, we haven't thought about or talked about Butch Jones all season, right? So there's been very few brick-by-brick brick and five-star heart and reminders of his persistent foibles while he was at Until Tennessee. now. Until now. But yes, <laughs> you, do need to, you do need to be out there a little bit. So this is like Butch Jones' 48 hours. I I mean, look, when these coaches get fired from these places in high profile, it's like they go through a bad divorce, and they're all emotional messes. And I don't know. Like, I, I give Butch Jones his moment. I have no problem with him smoking a cigar and walking off the field. It has to feel good for the place that dumped you and earned you your biggest professional humiliation to – basically go back there and be able to essentially metaphorically wave your middle finger. So Butch is fine. I think he's pretty clowny. <laughs> I, I, I was there. Uh, I watched the whole thing. He certainly, you know, when they Gatorade dumped him, his reaction, he was pretty gleeful. It wasn't like, oh, gosh, I wish they hadn't done that. It was like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, and the, the cigars were being smoked by everyone, but Butch was certain, certainly front and center. Uh, it was interesting to me that Saban A brought it up and B relished it, considering the guy that Saban destroyed is his former assistant, Jeremy Pruitt. And it was kind of like, yeah, you're not with me anymore, so this is what happens to you. Now Butch is my guy, so we're riding with Butch. And it, it was um, it was interesting. I Because, you, you, Dan, obviously your point is right. This is largely his mess that that is there now in Knoxville. And he got paid a lot of money, and that's the other kicker. Tennessee's still paying him for three more years. <laughs> He's getting like that deal. Who two, gave him that contract? It's unbelievable. <laughs> two hundred grand a month to, uh. to to just hang around at, at Alabama and help kick your ass. So it's uh, <laughs> it's something. Um, I I thought he was a little over the top, but I think it does go. And I I saw him a little bit on the field afterwards. He was interacting with some of the Tennessee people. I couldn't really tell how much, you know, whether he had any heartfelt talks with any of the players. Maybe they don't want to talk to him. Maybe he didn't want to talk to them. I don't know. But uh, it was it was a bit weird, and I thought a little over the top on his part. thought it was over the top. However, if I am fired from this podcast and I come back and start trouncing you guys, I'm smoking cigars. I am going to Canada and smoking weed. I don't care what we're going to do. If you end up with so. the 153rd ranked podcast and you're ahead of yeah. us, you will just completely eviscerate us. It's going to be humiliating. So, I don't know. Uh, a little tough. I mean, those kid, the only people who believed any of his BS were on the other side. Yeah. I mean, he was always completely full of crap. And he found, like, these kids to believe in it. 
and they signed with him when they could have signed anywhere, and their college career has been a complete disaster. <laughs> but I'm really happy that these new guys I had very little to do with. Or else, apparently, the offensive an analyst is doing a lot more work. <laughs> so, look, I mean, if he went to got a head job at, like, somewhere else and came back right. and, like, built up the program or something, I, I get that. But come on. This has nothing to do with it. All right. Uh, crime and punishment section of the podcast. Uh, we, we had to discuss this. It did not come out this weekend. came out late last week. We have all seen the pictures released by the Arlington police, Arlington, Texas police, of the beer bandit who is seen in surveillance video stills wearing a comical look on his face as he walks out of an Arlington convenience store carrying five cases of Bud Light. <laughs> this is like the old world's strongest man competition. <laughs> Bud Light von Bud Lightitson. Yes. <laughs> Magnus Ver Magnuson of the Bud Light thefts. <laughs> he got his arms around five cases. Even the cops were somewhat amused. I mean, their tweet is, quote, here's a textbook definition of a beer run. <laughs> and they called him the beer baron. Um, he is apparently on the loose, too. He has not been caught. Still. Wow. He's probably drunk. He's probably drunk somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But he has not been caught despite, you know, the big pressure. So no one's ratting him out, at least until his 120 Bud Lights he runs out. <laughs> His arsenal is buying the silence of his friends at this moment. But I don't know if he can make it through an NFL weekend. Um, I think we all know where I'm going to come down on this issue. But I want you two beer snobs to weigh in. Is this just a petty criminal who deserves to be punished to the fullest extent of the law? Or is this the hero America needs right now? <laughs> Pat Forty. Oh, he's a hero. Absolutely a hero. I said on Twitter, I said, I'm sorry, but I'm rooting for the perp in this one. because uh, to, Just to, to have the nerve and it's not, you know, to go for the fifth case. And you could tell that, that one's kind of sideways because he can <laughs> barely get his arms around five of them. That, that's a, a remarkable ambition. You know, this guy aimed high. He wasn't going to settle for four cases. He was going for five, baby. <laughs> I like somebody that dreams big <laughs> and he gets away with it so far. It's now it's like Bonnie and Clyde, man. I'm rooting for him to stay ahead of the Federals, man. This is fantastic. He is a hero to me, even if his beer taste is terrible. He had the sleeves ripped off his shirt. I think that was what allowed the better <laughs> flexibility to get that grip. But yeah. Pete? I wanted to put like dilly dilly in like the little thought yeah. bubble over over his head. And I'll, I'll say this with the strength and hands he showed to take those. I think he's better than half the receivers on the Cowboys roster. Like <laughs> Dak Prescott needs some reliable options like this guy. I hope he bolted straight to the locker room at Jerry World there in Arlington and, and you know, give him number like 81 and get him out in the slot because they need help. I think Look the a little worst... heavy for that. I'm not sure. Come on. <laughs> The, the worst person on Twitter were the ones that were, like, criticizing me for reveling in this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, that's I, a crime. It's against the law to steal. Yeah. Like, I'm not the freaking district attorney, okay? <laughs> really? Really? You can't appreciate this guy made his run? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I got that, too, from a couple people. Like, yeah, oh, you know, God. it's like you're not the one losing the money from this guy stealing from you. <laughs> And some guy said, another journalist who would never make it with a real job. 
Well, he is he is right about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all fall we all we yeah, we all fall in that category. Not because you like yeah. that guy. That there's other reasons, but yeah. yeah. I would definitely I would definitely struggle bust a real job. All right, real quickly, Powerball is going to hit like 1.6 billion this week. Wow. Uh I played uh played last week cuz I only wait till it gets to like 900 million like <laughs> yeah. the You couldn't use 200 million, Dan. You, yeah, the normal <laughs> 8.5 million? No. Nah. Not good enough. Uh 1.6 billion. Are you playing and if you win, what will you buy, Pete Thamel? So, I was uh I was out back in uh Western Mass the other day, Dan, uh, with a couple of my high school buddies and one of them brought up a good suggestion when it was at a billion. There's 300 million people in America. Why don't, as Americans in the federal government, we just throw up our hands and say, everybody gets 1.6. Divide it evenly amongst the 300 million Americans. I think that's a deal we could all agree to. Imagine the economic stimulus. One dollar each. So there's 300 million Americans, and the jackpot is 1.6 billion. 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 So we each make five dollars. Right. Don't make us do math here, man. Yeah. (laughs) I went to Syracuse. I didn't take any math classes. I thought it was an interesting point, but it was made after I had had imbibed a couple of cocktails. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Lindsay, delete that out if the math doesn't add up. (laughs) No, do not delete that. Hold on. I'm pulling out the calculator. Uh, 1.6. Billion. Wessel's <laughs> doing okay. the math here. I gotta turn it this way. It's gotta have that little calculator. <laughs> what do we got? That's 600 million, right? Divided by 300. There's more than 300 million Americans. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh no, 5,000. 5,000? I don't know. <laughs> I have not played it. I have not played Powerball. Um, I think the odds are one in 300 million to win. So I'm good. I will. Uh, we'll let everybody else roll on that one. My dad has always been very anti-lottery, and I grew up a lot of anti-lottery rhetoric in my house. So I've never, I've never really been particularly tempted to do that. As boring and dull as that sounds. All right, <laughs> Mr. Louisville, you better be gambling. <laughs> I, uh, I can't remember the last time I bought a lottery ticket, so I'm afraid I'm, I'm not, uh, not helping the cause there. But here's what I would do with the money. This is very easy. <laughs> you very get your brother easy. Jeff Brahm a job. <laughs> Exactly. This circles back to the beginning of the podcast. You take the money and you go buy Jeff Brom, and then you work out. You spend the rest of it at the track. It's fine. It's all good. Pat would become an offensive analyst and like pay himself, you know, one point five million a year and set up his sure. office at Churchill Downs. Why not? It'd be awesome. This, is, this podcast was terrible. No, you could buy Churchill Downs or something. I buy the Boston <laughs> Bruins. What are you kidding me? Come on. All right. This that that was the worst segment we've ever had. Uh, there was math, bad math. There was high school buddies. I don't know. Uh, who, small sample Heisman. Who won the Heisman this week? Pete, we'll start with you. Redeem yourself. You had to start with me. I had uh, the the receiver from Buffalo, Anthony Johnson, who's a, a mid, mid-round mid NFL prospect. Uh, the Bulls stormed into Toledo, came back from 10 down to win 31-17. The Mighty Bulls are 7-1 and and a MAC favorite and uh, Mr. Johnson had himself a day, two touchdowns, 83 yards, four catches. He was the standout bull as they stormed into the glass bowl and uh, took control of their Mac fate. All right, Pat, who won the uh, small sample Heisman? Petey loves him some action. Uh, I am going with Gardner Minshew, the West Washington State quarterback who has a very good mustache 
and a very good game going right now. He leads the nation in passing yards, 392. He's the next plug-and-play guy for Mike Leach. Uh, And the thing is, he was at East Carolina before this, and he wasn't even very good. He transferred in, grad transfer, got himself eligible, won the job, and now Washington State's it's six and one, and in the in the top twenty-five, and it's largely because of Gardner Minshew. So good for him. He's my small sample Heisman. Small sample Heisman for me is Cole Tracy, the LSU kicker, four field goals over Mississippi State. He's had a huge year, and obviously the best part of the story is last year he played for Assumption College, which is a small college in Worcester, Massachusetts. And uh, a year later, he's like the the, the hero of the SEC. Uh, it included during the game on Saturday, uh, they took a uh, the camera, went to him on the sideline, and even though the game was still going on, he was taking a selfie with uh, some LSU co-ed. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably a little better looking there than in Worcester. I'm just going to venture a guess. <laughs> this guy is living the light. Like, he's yeah, like, he yeah, maybe I'm not a bad kicker. Maybe I could get in one of these good teams, and all of a sudden... <laughs> Hello, Cole Tracy. Yeah. Brian <laughs> Brian Kelly went to Assumption, by the way. There's your, yes, there's yeah. your superfluous Massachusetts Northeast bias fun fact. Second most famous person from Assumption is now Cole Tracy. All right, obviously we say a lot of mean and terrible things on this podcast, usually about each other. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Uh, this is all. our opportunity to say something nice. So, Pat Forty, say something nice, maybe. Yeah, yay, Nebraska. You finally won a game. (laughs) Beat the snot out of Minnesota after blowing a lead late against Northwestern, after being blown out by Wisconsin, after being blown out by Purdue, after being blown out by Michigan, after gagging against Troy, and after losing Mm -hmm. against Colorado. So they finally won. They stopped the longest losing streak in the history of the school. Scott Frost may have turned a corner here. They were getting closer the last couple of last game against Northwestern. Now they break through Stomp, Minnesota. They get Bethune Cookman coming up. They'll beat them 100 to 6. Watch out, Ohio State. You're next, November 3rd in the horseshoe. What if? All right, I'm not going to go that far. But <laughs> Nebraska is off the schneid. Good job. Pete? Uh, I'm going to say something nice about Mike Leach. Uh, we published a story on Friday night where we FOIA'd or pub- public information requested his, pr- his text messages, which were just a glorious assortment of conspiracy theories, insults, and mocking the Pac-12 for player safety. But I will say this about Mike Leach. He would be in the thicket of the playoff race if the Pac-12 officials had just called that really awful targeting that they missed, the one that's gotten Larry Scott mocked and Desmond Howard said he needs to be drug tested, the whole thing. That would have put him first and goal from the 10 at the end of that game. They ended up getting the potential tying field goal blocked. And imagine if the Pirate and Gardner Minshew's mustache were in the thick of the playoff race. College football would be a much better place. Mm. All right. Uh, my say something nice is to UAB Alabama Birmingham is six and one program was disbanded for the 2015 and 16 seasons. They just gave up no football. Uh, there was an outcry, which I thought was like ridiculous. Cause like nobody really cared that much before, but I was wrong. They are back. They are bowl eligible and they are currently and two all time in bowl games. So that means something they are leading, uh, this conference USA West. Uh, Blazers eight wins last year under coach Bill Clark, their first year back was the most since 1993. Now they just may blow past that story. So from the ashes, here come the Blazers 
and I can't think of anything but nice things to say about that story. A rare, rare bit. So, uh, on a side note, I rechecked my math, and indeed, three hundred billion into one point six billion is five dollars and thirty three cents. So, uh, vote Famel if you think that's a good economic plan uh, next week. Uh, maybe that'll spur the economy. Uh, although I'll tell you what, I could use five bucks, like anybody else. All Americans could. Anyway, uh, good uh, podcast. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and uh, spread the word. We're still climbing the charts here, according to producer Lindsay. We'll be back uh, midweek, and we're going to do a special uh, edition for the college basketball trial, and uh, we'll have Race for the Case at the end. You don't want to miss all the exciting things that are going on here. Talk to you guys soon. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.